0: This morning from Isaiah chapter 2. The word that Isaiah, son of Amoz, saw concerning Judah and Jerusalem. In days to come, the mountain of the Lord's house shall be established as the highest of the mountains, and shall be raised above the hills. All the nations shall stream to it. Many people shall come and say, come. Let us go up to the mountain of the Lord, to the house of the God of Jacob, that he may teach us his ways and that we may walk in his paths. For out of Zion shall go forth instruction and the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. He shall judge between the nations and shall arbitrate for many peoples. They shall beat their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. Nation shall not lift up sword against nation, neither shall they learn war any more. O house of Jacob, come, let us walk in the light of the Lord. This is the word of God for the people of God. God. So we begin this new Christian year excuse me by turning to the ancient wisdom of the hebrew scriptures so important that we read from these different books in what we call the hebrew scriptures of the old testament they're documents they're the scriptures of jesus they're the foundation out of which his faith was formed and grew isaiah is part of what we call the prophetic writing it's the longest of these books or scrolls we have that have been written about what god is doing in the world We believe this one was first written 700 years before Christ was born, or before the common era that Isaiah began to write. He was concerned about what was happening in his country and with his people. He thought they had gone astray, and he believed God had something to say about that. He believed God wanted something different, that God had a better future that God had something more and something better for the people and because he believes they have gone astray he begins to write what he believes God wants to say to them chapter one is harsh he is angry he calls his own people a sinful nation but then when we get to chapter two the tone quickly changes as he begins to describe this better future, as he begins to see that God wants to do something new. Isaiah sees a vision of a brighter future, and he believes there is a brighter future because the people will be turning to God. See if you can hear him in verse 2 talking about that. He writes, In days to come, the mountain of the Lord's house will, shall be established as the highest of the mountains and shall be raised above the hills. All the nations shall stream to it. Many people shall come and say, come, let us go up to the mountain of the Lord, to the house of the God of Jacob. Can you hear him saying people are going to be seeking God? They're going to be going up to the house of the Lord, not because they have to, but because they want to. They desire A closer relationship with God they want to know more of God and what are they expecting or why are they going he goes on in verse 3 after he says many people shall come and say come let us go up to the mountain of the Lord to the house of the God of Jacob that he may teach us his ways so often we think of going up to the house of the Lord or coming to our church building as a place we come to worship, and of course it is that. But here the emphasis is not to worship, but to learn. He says that He may teach us His ways, or that God may teach us God's ways. As I was thinking about learning the ways of God, I remembered Stephen Covey years ago writing in his bestseller the seven habits of highly effective people talking about how there are some natural laws that we simply can't violate that you can't change he talks about it as the law of the farm or the law of the harvest he says you know it's like this you can't decide you want to harvest in a week and throw out some seed and expect it to just be there No matter how much you psych yourself up or have a positive attitude or envision the future, if you only give yourself a week, you're not going to have a harvest. He says it's the law of the farm. You have to plan ahead. You have to cultivate the soil. You have to make sure there are proper nutrients in the soil. You have to plant the seed at the right time. And then there has to be this period of development, of growth of maturity where the plant grows and flowers and then blooms and then you have a harvest. He says it just works that way. It's a law of the harvest. So often in our spiritual lives a problem has arisen in our life and we want God to do something about it right now. We want God to respond. But so often it's not God who's been negligent so often it's us. We have not been cultivating or developing our spiritual lives. We've not been preparing ourselves well to walk in God's paths always. And so when the problem comes, sometimes we have fallen short because we have ignored or failed to learn the ways of God so that we can harvest the blessings of God. I think the key in this whole passage is the second part Of that third verse. After Isaiah says. The people will be saying. Come let us go up to the mountain of the Lord. To the house of the God of Jacob. That he may teach us his ways. And. That we may walk in his paths. And. That we may walk. In God's paths. We have a responsibility. We learn about God. But we also have to live our faith once we leave here what if we took this season of advent this month of december leading up to christmas eve and christmas and said i'm going to commit myself to learn about god and to walk in god's ways it would be an integration of our faith into our life If every time we came here, we said to ourselves, I'm coming to learn more about God. And then when we dispersed from here, we said in our hearts and minds, I'm committed to walking in God's ways. I'm going to practice what I learned. I'm going to share the love we talked about. I'm going to live with hope because I know God is alive and at work in my life. There's a story that happened years ago. It was the week of Thanksgiving. The story is about a single mother with three kids facing a bleak Thanksgiving day. Her husband had left the family. She was left alone now with not much income to raise three kids. It was the week of Thanksgiving. Two of the kids had come down with the flu. She had $2.50 left in her purse to make it to the end of the month. She was not sure what they were going to do. She was about to lose all hope. And then the phone rang. It was the secretary from her former church. She said, I've been thinking about you. We miss you. We've got a little something for you. We'd like to give to you before Thanksgiving. The mother said, well, I was thinking about heading out to the grocery store in a little bit. I could swing by the church when I'm out. The secretary said that would be great. So just before lunch, she showed up at the church and went on inside. She found the secretary. She handed her a gift envelope. She opened it. It was a couple of gift certificates to the local grocery store. The woman said she was trying to hold back the tears. This was an answer to prayer, if you will. The secretary said, we really do miss you all. We hope the best for you came around from the desk and gave her a hug she said we both started crying all of a sudden i had a little glimmer of hope come back she said she got in her car and went to the grocery store and went and grabbed some chicken noodle soup and some fruit juice and went to the checkout stand when she got there and the cashier rang up what she had she handed her one of the gift certificates The woman just looked at the gift certificate for a really long time. So long that it made the woman uncomfortable. She was afraid there was something wrong. She said, it's from my church. All of a sudden, I find myself a single mom. They're trying to help me out. The cashier said, oh, it's it's fine. She rang up the few items and gave the woman change. And then she said, Do you have a turkey for Thanksgiving she said no but my kids are sick anyway it's fine she said do you have any of the other fixings for Thanksgiving she said no but, but it's all right the woman said would you be willing to go back into the store and pick out a turkey and maybe a pumpkin pie and some cranberry whatever you would like And the woman said are you sure the cashier said yes please so she went back in the store and got a turkey and all the other things that she imagined you would want to have on a bountiful table for thanksgiving she brought them back to the same line got back in line waited her turn to get to the cashier when she got up there she put it all out there and the cashier rang it all up and then reached underneath and took out her own purse and paid for everything And then she said to the woman, this morning I prayed that I could help someone today and you walked into my line. I believe it's an answer to my prayer. The cashier came around and hugged her just like the secretary had kissed her on the cheek. Said, we wish you all the best. And then she said, I'm a Christian. Here is my phone number. If you ever need anything, she said again, she had tears rolling down her face, as did the cashier. She walked to her car. So often this time of year, we have opportunity to help those in need. And we talk about the importance of that and how it helps them along. But I want us to think a moment this morning about the cashier and what this encounter did. For her Christian faith. If you think about it, that morning she had said a prayer that she could help somebody during the day. But so often people pray in the morning, then they go through their day and never give God another thought. But not this woman. Not this cashier. She had prayed in the morning, but then she was thinking about God through the rest of the day. She remembered the prayer And she remembered to be on the lookout for God to answer the prayer. And then when the woman came to her line, she was able to act on her faith. She was able to act on her prayer and put her faith into action by helping the woman that came to her counterstop. Making and keeping commitments are powerful steps in the faith journey. I don't think it's too strong to say that making and keeping commitments is one of God's pathways that we can follow. Now, the rest of this passage talks about how when you're following the ways of God or the paths of God, it'll lead you to places of peace and prosperity, to places where we benefit mutually, where there's a sense of working for the good of all. We have some choices to make. Isaiah is talking about nations and how they get along, but we can apply this to our own lives and the choices we'll make during this Advent season. What path are you on? What path are you following? Are you learning and walking in the ways of God? I'll give you just one idea to think about as you choose your path this Advent. Here's just one practical idea i was thinking as i was writing the sermon of our five-fold membership vow all of us here who are official members have taken this vow we said we would participate fully through our prayers our presence our gift service and our witness i don't know what it is for you but i imagine if you think of those five there's at least one of those where you could use some improvement or maybe you need to recommit So here's the activity. Just choose one and make a concrete commitment to work on that this Advent. Let's say you need to work on prayer. You could pick up an Advent prayer calendar. It'll have a prayer prompt for every day this month leading up to Christmas. That could help you solidify your prayer practices as we move through this season. Or maybe it's presence. Maybe you need some help getting here every week. Some weeks you make it, some you don't. What if you connected with another person, asked them to hold you accountable, someone maybe you could even bring to church with you, or they could give you a ride, you could come together, and so that every Sunday you were here, that you've come up to the house of the Lord, so to speak, and been in the presence of God and this family of faith. Oh, I don't know, it might be gifts or service or witness for you, but I know in my life I can always do some reassessment and self-examination and know that God has more for me and I sometimes need to recommit to the practices of faith. Isaiah says that kind of making and keeping of commitments draws us closer to God and puts us on the path to peace and prosperity and will fuel our hope. Isaiah is in the midst of of a terrible experience in his own country, and yet he is a person full of hope because he believes God is bigger than the circumstances, and he believes God is doing a new thing in his heart and in the hearts of the people and that God's going to begin to turn the people that they might go up to the house of the Lord. Isaiah says that's the key. The people want to go up to the house of the Lord and they want to learn the ways of God and then they go out to walk in the paths of God. What would your advent be like if you made that kind of commitment? If you decided to follow the advice and the wisdom of Isaiah, to go up to the house of the Lord, to be here every week, to learn, to open heart and mind to what God might say to you and then to commit To live that in the world. Isaiah says it will deepen your faith. It will enrich your life. And so he ends this section that we read this morning with this. Let us hear it now. Oh, come, let us walk in the light of the Lord. May it be so for all of us. Amen.